0: Ben, have we got the Christmas dates on the screen there? Hey, just, um, just to let you know, we've got two more Sundays, the third and the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, then we have our Christmas Eve service, 7.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Um, and then because Christmas Eve is a Saturday, it's just the way that the calendar works this year, because Christmas Eve is a Saturday, We're kind of calling that our sunday service and then we always have three sundays off so we've got four this year but we're actually at church on the saturday so not back into it to the 29th of january and then it'll all roll around again and christmas will move across the day and we'll carry on doing that so there's the dates for um the year ahead or for the next few weeks ahead so looking forward to that all right we're on the uh second sunday of advent and as i've mentioned for saint luke's folks that puts us in the chronicles of narnia And uh, we're in Prince Caspian this year. A little subtitle there is The Return to Narnia. First of all, though, the difference between God God and a false god is that, isn't that one's real and one's imagined? They're both real. The difference is that, uh, up on the next slide, I think we're, um, yep, there you go. It isn't that one's real and one's not real. Uh, The difference is that a false god is worshipped into being is animated by the worship of humanity uh brought to life by humanity god on the other hand is the one that brings humanity to life and animates uh humanity irrespective of human devotion uh, irrespective of worship god god exists irrespective of everything else false gods exist because we worship aspects of creation and if enough of us do it they, they become principalities and powers and have authority in our lives. So I've got one little example there. Uh, Social status is something that is idealized in our contemporary society. Uh, The climbing of the ladder to win the competition against other humans, uh, to win, to stand out, to be the king or the queen of some sphere of life that you live in or exist in. And uh, obviously, you know, the quest is to be powerful and uh, influential. Uh, one One who calls the shots rather than has the shots called against them. You know, nobody sits down on the 1st of January and says, how can I be less powerful this year? How can I be less influential? How can I be under the thumb of society this year? Those aren't normally the goals that you have. The the goals are the other way around. Uh, It's it's pursued to such an extent that it it becomes an animated reality that that has sway in our lives. We have social standing, social ladders, Um, the questions we ask new people when we meet them and what do they do and what do you do and how does it all, you know, these are these kind of subconscious games that we, we play in our head at times without realizing. Uh, this whole social status letter, it calls for sacrifices, uh, sacrifices that at times enslave people to debt or enslave people to the office or uh, have massive time commitments that at times calls up, call us to disregard or ignore our neighbor. So it isn't that one is real and the other is not real. It's it's the way that they come to life. Uh, instead though, if we pursue uh, as a virtue in life, love of God and love of neighbor and love of enemy, if we embrace co-suffering sacrificial love, if we choose to orient our lives according to the, the Sermon on the Mount and the kingdom of God and the rule and reign of Christ, what happens is those, those false gods begin to kind of dissipate, begin to evaporate, begin to have less sway in our lives. And if enough of us did that, they'd disappear completely, they would be no more, they would be no longer. Um, Their reality is contingent on our worship. That's the difference between the real God and false gods. The reality of false gods is contingent on our worship, whereas the reality of God is not contingent on our worship, though God calls us to worship, of course. Um, In Colossians, you see that it's reality itself that is contingent on Christ. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So false gods, contingent on our worship, whereas Christ, on the other hand, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and is contingent on our worship, not at all. If we worship or if we don't worship, God still is. Christ still rules and Rains. And I think that's a great start to a sermon. So, all right, we're in Advent. Now we'll do Narnia stuff. Uh, we're at a time and a space in our discipleship journey uh, where we're to look beyond the obvious. We're to look beyond the obvious, uh, to allow, and sometimes some of us find this hard, it depends on your personality, to allow excitement to bubble up and anticipation to bubble up. I remember one friend of mine, he goes, I love your sermons. They always like, they get me so excited. And I was like, I would never have picked that. He's like, oh, don't worry, I might not look like anything on the outside, but on the inside I'm doing flips. And I was like, wow, well, you could do a flip on the outside every now and then. That would help me. It would be some good feedback. But uh, Advent is that call to, to be excited, to have anticipation, to have hope, to look forward, to look beyond the obvious, to, to believe for good things right around the corner in life. Often anxiety is the expectation of bad things right around the corner advent's a call to excitement and anticipation that, that good things wait around the corner. As part of being a Christian is to grow up and mature, to cultivate a childlike faith. It takes, it takes your whole life to cultivate a childlike faith. It's hard work at times. But to embrace the wonder and the mystery of Christ, Christ who plays in 10,000 places, Christ who turns up unannounced and unexpected. Christ that turned up then, that turns up now, that will turn up again, if we're eyes to see it, ears to hear, to pay attention. A uh, common theme in Advent in the last week, if you, some of you will have been journeying Advent with a devotional, uh, most devotional writers, one of the, one of the themes will be, um, would you like an unexpected God encounter that just kind of redirects your life? And most people are honest like, not really. Um, <laughs> it's kind of nicely all ordered and in line. I don't really want... You know, an angel, Lockie, fear not, says the angel of the Lord. It's like, I don't know, I don't want to fear not. I want to keep going. You've got it all packaged up really nicely. Um, And we can be reluctant to be excited about that. Um, You know, if if the mic was thrown in front of you like a beauty pageant, you know, what do you want to do if you win? Oh, I want to... I want to use my beauty to bring world peace. You know, if the mic was thrown in front of you, would you like an unexpected God encounter that changes your whole life? Oh, yes, I'm believing for that every day. You know, you got your fingers crossed behind your back. It's like, no, actually, God, I don't want that. And yet last Sunday's sermon was, are you willing to go through the wardrobe again? Can you have a second adventure and a fifth adventure and an 85th adventure? Can you go round the calendar again? Go through the excitement of Advent and Christmas and epiphany and awakening to the things of God. Knowing, though, that we go again through Lent and the wilderness and death and laying down to be raised to new life. Sometimes when we've got it just nicely balanced, we'd prefer not to. But in, uh, in the Prince Caspian story, we've got these kids that end up on a second adventure challenged us to go on a second adventure, to make room in our hearts, to prepare a way. But they're on the second adventure. And the, uh, they've returned to uh, Narnia to discover, this is Peter, Susan, Edmund, Lucy, they've returned to Narnia, which is, I forget that some people haven't read it, but if you go to St. Luke's, it's in the fine script on the website, it's kind of must reading, so like, yeah. But Narnia's this uh, fairy tale land that C.S. Lewis writes of, and there's this lion as land, which is a type of Christ, just so you know, so Aslan's a picture of Christ, because I've had some people say, when we get through the Narnia series, what are we gonna do for Advent? I'm like, I don't know, we might go back. I'm like, They're like, what about Harry Potter? I'm like, no, Like, no, no, Star Wars? It's like, no, we didn't just pick a novel just because it was, no, we're not doing Hogwarts and Harry Potter for, uh, and Star Wars for Narnia. Uh, for Advent it's because Aslan's a picture of Christ and the kids are a picture of what it is to go on an adventure with Christ to be disciples to to and C.S. Lewis writes this story to help us to see the kingdom of God from another angle and so we go into Advent we go into Narnia each Advent to help us think about the kingdom of God from other angles so they're they're back in Narnia um, but there's an evil corrupt king on the throne who knows nothing of Aslan So that's a little bit like kings. And then the new king came, who knew nothing of God kind of thing, and everything went to pieces. They're on their adventure. Um, Aslan, a picture of Christ. Um, There's Prince Caspian. He's the rightful heir to the throne in Narnia. He's heard rumors of Narnians. He's heard rumors of ancient dwarfs and rumors of talking animals and rumors of this Aslan that lives across the sea. Uh, of enchanted forest. And these rumors are enough for him to be a believer. Uh, and so with his uncle trying to kill him, he, he is right, hops on a horse and rides off to escape. But then he grows tired, falls off his horse, wakes up. When he came to himself, he was lying in a fire pit, placed with bruised limbs and a bad headache. Low voices were speaking close at hand. And now, said one, before it wakes up, we must decide what to do, it, do with it. Kill it, said another. We can't let it live, it would betray us. "'We ought to have killed it at once, or else let it alone,' said the third voice. "'We can't kill it now, not after we've taken it in and bandaged its head and all. That would be murdering a guest.' "'Gentlemen,' said Caspian, in a feeble voice, "'whatever you do to me, I hope you will be kind to my poor horse. "'Your horse has taken flight long before you found, we found you,' said the first voice, "'a curiously husky, earthy voice,' as Caspian now noticed." "'Now don't let it talk you round with its pretty words,' said the second voice. "'I still say, horns and halibuts,' explained the third voice. "'Of course we're not going to murder it. For shame, Knickerbrick. "'What do you say, truffle hunter? What shall we do with it?' "'I shall give it a drink,' said the first voice, presumably truffle hunters. "'A dark shape approached the bed. "'Caspian felt an arm slip gently under his shoulders. "'If it was exactly an arm, the shape somehow seemed wrong. "'The face bent towards him and seemed wrong too.' He got the impression that it was very hairy and very long nose and there were odd white patches on each side of it. It was a mask of some thought, thought Caspian, or perhaps I'm in a fever and imagining things. A cupful of something sweet and hot was set to his lips and he drank. At that moment, one of the others poked the fire. A blaze sprang up and Caspian almost screamed with shock in the sudden light. As the sudden light revealed the face that, he was, looking, that was looking into his own. It was not a man's face, but a badger's. Through layer and though though larger and friendlier and more intelligent than the face of any badger he had seen before. And it certainly had been talking. He saw too that that he was on a bed of heather in a cave. By the fire sat two little bedded men and he knew them at once for ancient dwarfs. And Caspian knew that he had found the old Narnians at last. Then his head began to swim again. In the next few days he learned to know them by names. The badger was called Truffle Hunter. He was the oldest and kindest of the three. The dwarf who had wanted to kill Caspian was a sour dwarf with a black beard, thick and hard like horsehair. His name was Nickerbrick. The other dwarf with red beard and red hair, rather like a fox's, was called Trumpkin. And now, said Nickerbrick, on the first evening when Caspian was well enough to sit up and talk, we shall have to decide what to do with this human. You two think we've done it a great kindness by not letting me kill it, but I suppose the upshot is that we have to keep it prisoner for life. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to let it go alive. Go back to its king and betray us. Bulbs and bolsters, Brick, said. Trumpkin, why need you talk so unhandsomely? It isn't the creature's fault that he fell from his horse and bashed his head against the tree outside our hole. And I don't think it looks like a traitor. I say, said Caspian. You haven't. Uh, you haven't yet found out whether I want to go back. I want to stay with you if you'll let me. I've been looking for people like you all my life. Prince Caspian has heard stories. He's heard rumors. He's heard tall tales, you could say, of Narnia and Aslan and talking animals and and these kinds of things. Uh, Enchanted forests and the good king Aslan. Whatever someone else might make of these stories, for, for Caspian, they had brought to life something within him. They had, they had animated some sense of expectation, some sense of belief, some sense of wonder, that there was, there was more to this world than he lived in than the obvious. Even if he's not yet found Aslan, he's found some ancient dwarfs and a talking badger. He's been looking for people like that all his life. Uh, Trumpkin and Nicobrick aren't so sure about this. But Truffle Hunter the badger is confident that helping Caspian is the right thing to do, that there's meant to be a son of Adam on the throne. On the throne. Do you believe all these old stories, asked Trumpkin? I tell you, we don't change, we beasts, said Truffle Hunter. We don't forget. I believe in the high king Peter and the rest that reigned at Caer Paravel as firmly as I believe in Aslan himself. As firmly as that, I dare say, said Trumpkin. But who believes in Aslan nowadays anyway? One of the major themes that comes up again and again throughout the the story of Prince Caspian is, well, well, who believes in Aslan nowadays anyway? Who who cares nowadays anyway? It's been so long. Life's carried on. Who's interested in that kind of thing? Uh, You could say, who believes in Jesus nowadays anyway? I mean, who who really believes in Jesus nowadays anyway? Who, who, Who really cares? Who's paying attention? We've got a... Novelty manger scene on one side, got a Christmas aisle on the other. Who, who really believes in Jesus nowadays, anyway? Who, who really cares? Who's paying attention? They're worthwhile questions to ask ourselves in Advent as we get closer to Christmas. Again, the right answer if it was a beauty pageant is this, I so believe in Jesus with all my heart. The, the test is, well, how are you living your life? And those kinds of things. It's a, it's a worthwhile challenge. Do you believe in Aslan, Aslan says Caspian to Nicobrick. I'll believe in anyone or anything, said Nicobrick, that'll, uh, that'll batter these cursed Talmarines. These are these people that have taken over Narnia. That'll batter these cursed Talmarine barbarians to pieces and drive them out of Narnia. Anyone or anything. Aslan or the White Witch, you understand. Uh, Nickerbrick is a pragmatist. He's looking for a utilitarian savior that he can keep in his tool belt. And then when he needs... Uh, his utilitarian savior, he can pull that out of his tool belt and apply it to the situation to get uh, what he's looking for, a kind of a a vending machine type God, though of course he wants power and he wants to be able to batter some other people to pieces. Our world is a pretty pragmatic and pretty utilitarian world, and we can often want God to be a vending machine God that we can keep in our utility utility bouts and pull out to bring about the purposes that we want, preferably via battering some people and and sorting them out. Caspian isn't utilitarian, though. He believes in something beyond pragmatism. I believe, said Caspian, and if I hadn't believed in him before, I would now. Back there among the humans, the people who laughed at Aslan would have laughed at stories about talking beasts and ancient dwarfs. Sometimes I did wonder if if there was really such a person as Aslan, but then sometimes I wondered if there were really people like you. Yet there you are. Sometimes I wonder if there's really such a person as Jesus, but then sometimes I wondered if there was any kingdom-orientated people anywhere, and then I bumped into you, and here you are. The truth, the life, the reality, the presence, the activity, the wonder of Christ in your life in our world isn't ultimately contingent on what you think. Christ simply is. Christ is animated. Christ is the animator it's the one that is before all things and in him all things hold together and we find ourselves again discovering that the good news of the gospel is better than we've just realized because it's not contingent on our belief and our faith and our trust oh if you believe enough if you have enough faith if you have a trust you'll be able to bring christ alive it's like no no even if you ignore and pay no attention christ is alive Christ sits on the throne. Christ will rule and reign over all things. Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, irrespective of what you do. It's the false gods that you can animate or dissipate or whatever, but but Christ will be all right without you. Though, of course, he longs to know you. Christ, Christ will still carry on. Christ shows up and will show up again and again and again, whether or not we show up. Whether or not we can see anything or believe anything or get our head around it and yet advent is an invitation to slow down and to let faith and expectation arise to look beyond the obvious and to see christ with clarity but even if you hate advent and don't want to look beyond the obvious it's still true christ still rules and reigns even if nobody believes in jesus even if nobody cares anyway jesus is still the king of kings and the lord of lords his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's our advent hope whether you're hopeful or not it's our advent hope all right here are some of the characters and how they understood aslan and i think we can probably find ourselves in amongst this somewhere or another caspian he's captured by rumors and stories maybe all you've got today is some rumors and some stories but they they capture your heart these rumors and these stories maybe you can't see anything Maybe you can't testify to anything or tell anything or explain anything, but there's some rumors and stories that have captured your heart. Caspian, he, he bumps into some alternative-looking people, some kingdom-of-God alternative-type-looking people. They're, they're enough for him. Maybe you've just bumped into one or two kingdom-orientated people and that's enough for you. Well, Christ shows up, that's all you need. Just the rumors are enough. To bump into one or two Kingdom-oriented people is enough. Some of you, just slow down and pay attention to the stories. Pay attention to the rumors that have captured your heart. Some of you, just tag along with the kingdom oriented people that you've met. Even if you're not sure where they're going, you don't know how to get there, or you don't know where in the story Aslan is, just, just go with the kingdom oriented people that you've bumped into. That, that'll be enough for you. I think there's another challenge as well. Are you the kind of person that spreads good rumors. You're the kind of person that spreads the good rumors of the wonder of Christ the hope that we have in Christ? Are you the kind of kingdom-orientated person that maybe somebody's been looking for all their life and they bump into you and suddenly all the stories that maybe weren't believable, they bumped into you and you've suddenly made it very believable? Peter uh, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, they're traveling through Narnia. They're trying to find their way and eventually Aslan shows up and he leads them, but they can't all see Aslan. Lucy sees Aslan the whole time. Uh, That's the same in the other stories as well. But uh, yet again, Lucy can't convince the others that she can really see Aslan. And uh, Aslan says, we should go up here. And Lucy sees, and they've got to go over the mountains, but they all decide to go down and around instead. Lucy's like, no, I can see Aslan, and the others don't believe it kind of thing. And she goes, okay, we'll go that way kind of thing. And she has this encounter with Aslan. "'Lucy, you have work to do, and much time has been lost today,' said Aslan. "'Yes, isn't it a shame?' said Lucy. "'I saw you all, right. They wouldn't believe me. "'They're so...' "'From somewhere deep inside Aslan's body, "'there came the faintest suggestion of a growl. "'Oh, I'm sorry,' said Lucy, who understood some of his moods. "'I didn't mean to start slagging the others, "'but as it wasn't my fault anyway, was it?' "'The lion looked straight into her eyes. "'Oh, Aslan,' said Lucy, "'you don't don't mean it was?' How could I? I couldn't have left the others and come up to you alone. How could I have done that? Don't don't look at me like that. Oh, well, I suppose I could have. Yes, and I wouldn't have been alone, would I? Because I would have been with you. But what would have been the good? Aslan said nothing. You mean, said Lucy rather faintly, that it would have turned out all right somehow? But how? Please, Aslan, explain. Am I not to know? Aslan says, to know what would have happened, child, Nobody has ever told that. Oh dear, said Lucy. But anyone can find out what will happen. Aslan's kind of telling Lucy off because she saw and she knew and she was called to do that and to go that way but she couldn't convince the others and so she went that way. She said, well, I couldn't, I couldn't have just come out with you and left the others. Aslan says nothing. Oh, You mean I could have, I could have actually followed you even if I didn't, couldn't convince the others around you? There's this kind of... Subtle growl. I think that's us at times, of course. Maybe you this morning. You see Aslan, you see Christ, you know the voice of Christ, the guiding and the leading of Christ. But you're trying to convince the people around you, oh, I can't get anyone else on board with it, so we'll, we'll go down that way. It's like Rrr. that gentle growl. Rrr. Well, I couldn't have just followed you without the others coming with me. Rrr. Oh. But I would have been all alone. Rrr. Oh, I suppose I wouldn't have been alone. I wonder if sometimes we're Lucy, we, we see and believe and we know, but can't no one's going to come with us, so we'll, we'll just go the other route. Susan can't see, but she believes, but she can't be bothered. So Lucy's trying to talk the kids into going with her and following Aslan. Lu, Lu, Susan can't see Aslan, but she does believe that Lucy's seeing Aslan, and they should do that, but Susan can't be bothered eventually they all meet up with aslan and susan confesses but i've been worse than you know i really believed it was him i mean yesterday when he warned us not to go down there and i really believed it was him tonight when you woke us up i mean deep down inside or i could have if i'd let myself but i just wanted to get out of the woods and carry on sleeping what, whatever am i going to say to him that's us at times we've got a lucy maybe talking to us i really feel like god's leading us to do this we should go here yeah, I think that's probably true, but I'd prefer to sleep in or go that way. It looks easier. See and believe, but yeah, I can't really be bothered. I don't want to go through the wardrobe again. It's so narrow and dark, and there's like jackets hanging up and stuff. I'll just go through the main door. We see and we believe, but I can't, can't, oh, can't, really be, can't really be bothered. Well, that was the challenge from last week, to have another adventure, to go around again. I don't want more death that leads to life. <laughs> I just want life. <laughs> I don't want the death that leads to life. I just want the life-life, not the death that leads to life. That's too painful. And yeah, it's transformative and it stretches and you become more the human you're called to be. But oh, it's an emotional roller coaster. Just the life-life. That's Susan. Peter and Edmund, they can't see, but they're, they're learning to trust others. They've learned to trust others. They've learned to, to trust Lucy. So eventually they... They give up and go, okay, we'll go with you. And they start to see a shadow at first. They kind of believe, they kind of have a go, they're going to kind of trust, and they see a shadow at first, but then they begin to see more clarity as they carry on. Aslan, Christ isn't more true or less true whether you've heard a rumor or not, still true. Isn't more true or less true whether you believe or not. Isn't more true or less true because you can just see a shadow or a faint hit and you're going to hint of something and you're going to run with that. It doesn't make Christ more true or less true. Whether you're seeing clearly, whether you aren't seeing anything but believe, whether you believe but you're lazy and can't be bothered, whether you believe and you know you should but no one else wants to go with you, none of it makes Christ more or less true. It's just how are you going to respond? Good news is that no matter where you are today, whether you've just got a rumor, just got a glimpse, just trusting somebody next to you, just a little bit of something, that's enough because Christ is true, irrespective of the rest, no matter where you're at. Trumpkin can't see anything and doesn't believe in anything though and has never seen a lion before. So what about Trumpkin? And now, said Aslan in a much louder voice, with just a hint of a roar in it, while his tail lashed his flanks, and now where is this little dwarf, this famous swordsman and archer who doesn't believe in lions? Come here, son of earth, come here. And his last word was no longer the hint of a roar, but almost the real thing. Roths and wreckage, grasped Trumpkin in the ghost of a voice. The children who knew Aslan well enough to see the children knew Aslan well enough to see that he liked the dwarf. Very much. Were not disturbed. But it was quite another thing for Trumpkin, who had never seen a lion before, let alone this lion. He did the only sensible thing he could have done. That is, instead of bolting, he trotted towards Aslan. Aslan pounced. Have you ever seen a very young kitten being carried in the mouth by a, in the mother's, mother cat's mouth? It was like that. The dwarf hunched up in a little miserable ball hung from Aslan's mouth. The lion gave him one shake and all his armor rattled like a tinker's pack. And then, hey presto, the dwarf flew up in the air. He was as safe as he had have been in bed, though he did not feel so. And he came down, the huge velvety paws caught him as gently as a mother's arms and set him right way up on the ground. Son of Earth, shall we be friends? Asked Aslan. Irrespective of where you find yourself in the category, Heard a rumor, met some people that seem legit, see but can't convince anyone, can't see but do believe but maybe feeling a little bit lazy, can't see, do believe, learning to trust others and go on the word of others, or finally just not seeing or believing anything, none of it makes Christ more true or less true. Christ still has a way of showing up and saying, shall we be friends? That's the hope and the expectation that we carry throughout Advent. As we get closer to Christmas, that Christ is coming to ask, shall we be friends? We don't make Christ show up. We wait. We wait. Advent's a season of patience. We don't make Christ show up. We just wait patiently. But however we're waiting, Christ still shows up and says, shall we be friends? It's part of why the good news of the gospel is always better than we've just realized because it's not contingent on us showing up. It's contingent on Christ who shows up. It says, shall we be friends? Let's stand together. We're going to close with communion. A table here at the front and two tables down the back. Sometimes we can be all of those things at once. Sometimes, once upon a time, we could see clearly and we could hear clearly. But now in this season, I've, I've got, there's, I can't see clearly and I can't hear clearly, but there's a rumor. There's a rumor. Hey, run with the rumor. Sometimes we used to have rumors and some enchanted stories and could see some things and hear some things. But now, I don't, I don't really have much, but I've got, I got some friends. Stick with your friends paralytic in the Bible didn't really have much of a choice, but nevertheless, he had four friends that turned up even when he wasn't going to be able to turn up. And sometimes we feel paralytic in our faith journey. We feel stalled. We feel we've reached a plateau that there's not really much to go back to, but we're not sure what to go forwards to. That's all right. Just hang with your friends. Hang with the friend that can see something and hear something and has heard a rumor. Hang with the friend that has spotted something. Just walk with them. For a while, discover that Christ always is saying, shall we be friends? Now the table's been prepared, not of the church, but that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Made ready for those that love the Lord uh, Lord a little and those that would like to love him more. It's made ready for those that have heard a rumor and are willing to say yes. It's made ready for those who've met somebody believable. And are willing to say yes. It's made ready for those who see but can't convince anyone else. It's made ready for those that believe but can't be bothered. It's made ready for those that are trusting the word of others. It's even made ready for those who can't bring themselves to believe yet. For the invitation of Christ is always, shall we be friends? And the truth of this invitation is contingent on nothing. For Jesus is the bread of life, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. So come to where heaven and earth overlap the table of the Lord and receive the love, the grace, the mercy of Christ as your own this morning, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't be shy. Come here at the front, two tables down the back, and take communion when you're ready.